0: You know what, can I, yeah, whatever, yeah, so. Oh, don't
1: don't get, st- hold on, let's save this. For- uh,
0: oh my God, oh my God, save it for the podcast. I'm telling you. Save, about it, my- nice.
1: save it for the podcast. <laughs> save your <laughs> tra- tragedies for the podcast. Hello, we're putting on a show. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris, I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friend, Trisha in LA. Hello! Hi, sweetheart. So, hi! I, there, uh, there's so much we to talk about, but first, you were in a car accident, Galvin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean... My sister and I were headed to the post office. Some loser decided, why not run a red light? And she's going across the intersection. This guy, red light, because I guess he's in a hurry to get to work, bangs us up really badly to the point where his car is undrivable legally. Thing is all messed up, and our entire front fender is gone. And we were both, I mean, like, I really, what happened was the... The seatbelt, like, man, that thing snatches you. The seatbelt snatched me right yes. across the neck. That's why I'm fucking
1: around by design. I know.
0: <laughs> by design, it snatched me and pushed me back. So, like it kind of cut across my neck. I thought I'd be fully bruised there, but it was it did a pretty good job. And then my knee, I banged my left knee up because when the car just jolted forward, I just rammed into the dashboard. So my left knee. Got a little bit bruised, but you know, for for the way the cars look, we were we got we were able to get out of the car and walk. No, no, it was pretty scary actually, because in the midst of the car accident, you're like, shit, there's no control. Like, fuck, I'm, I could be dying right now. It was just like it was that it was that massive and just in terms of the impact, because he's going at full speed. And then guess what? He gets out of the car. We're talking. He doesn't have insurance. Wow. I was like, who's running? I was like, who is running a yellow light? When you don't have insurance, like you know what the be thing extra is, cautious.
1: People like you and me follow the rules, but we're square. Yeah. We're doing everything wrong as far as what everyone else I is. I know. Doing. Let me tell you this something. The
0: world, the world. <laughs> this, you know what? This is the lesson I learned actually. I, was, I had a whole come to Jesus moment with myself last night. It was about career and things actually. Mm-hmm. And I was looking around and I was like, you know what? Constructed my life. In sort of defense of things going wrong, right? So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh well, you know, I'm gonna have a career where I'm gonna help, you know, systems that are flawed. Other people just get up and go about their lives. They're not looking around at systems and go, are you flawed? Are you messed up? Yeah. I don't, no. no, no. They're just like doing what they want to do. And I was like, why did I why did I construct my entire career life that way? I should yeah, have just a been lot of, doing a lot whatever.
1: Of people are a lot less cautious than me, I've realized over the years. <laughs> And <laughs> for sure. there are some days where I'm like they're idiots, and then other days I'm like, God, it'd be so nice not to like prepare for what all Every- the various things I prepare for in my life. I mean, it's it's been great. I I live a life of relative comfort and very little surprise. I mean, if that's your thing,
0: that's deadening. Sounds right. like, but- <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Um
0: that's what they say though. Welcome
1: to Judgment Corner starring Trisha from LA.
0: Oh stop. That's that's one of the <laughs> contingencies, right? The contingencies is like if you make sure that there're no surprises in your life, it can be a bit deadening, right? That's can happen. No, no you're right cuz at this point now I'm I'm like, oh, I just want a fresh start. <laughs> um,
1: I do want to get back to your car accident, though, because before the podcast began and we were talking, I, I just want to let everyone know, I was uh-huh. admonished for not yes. knowing about this car accident. And then when I was like, oh my God, you were in a car accident, how was I to know you were in a car accident? She's like, well, my sister posted about it on Facebook and tagged me, so <laughs> therefore, <laughs> you should know. And I was like want to say something like a car accident, treasure I may want a heads up. I'm just going to say that out loud,
0: just so. I actually, I didn't, I didn't actually share too much. I was, um, I told, I texted my mom, of course, because my mom was in the midst of texting us, and I was like, you know what, mom, we're talking to the cops right now, but we're all okay. I mean, <laughs> it's your mom's birthday today, isn't it? Yes, it is. Happy mom, birthday, mom. Have, mm, how am is she, she listening? listening? Ah, she might actually. I'm hoping oh, happy happens. birthday, Nola. <laughs> But I'm fine. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't too traumatizing. So I was kind of just like, let me just put it out of my head. So I didn't really say anything. If I was in a hospital, I I would definitely let you know.
1: I would hope, and I, I hope not via Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. I would hope that I would just get like a, a call. A thank- that's what phones are for, by the way, Trisha, calling people. So you
0: know I mean, in the I told future, you that all right, all right, I
1: know. What? <laughs> <laughs> I should alert you if I'm in an accident. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Wait for me to for it to <laughs> crawl across. I mean, you're putting <laughs> in the Facebook, Facebook algorithm hate. to deliver information to me about your personal health. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your car accident. That's terrible. Especially because I mean, now you don't have a car.
0: Well, actually, you know what? Luckily, see, because V's a responsible person, even at her lowest point financially, V always made sure her her insurance was paid. Right. Uh, so she I'm was able like to. the dude me. who hit you. I know right. She was able to have a car the very same night she called her USAA, and um, they hooked her up with a car that very night, and um, she could probably have it up until she figures out what's next with the, the car.
1: Meanwhile, for me, I, uh, I was not in a car accident. Things are going really great for me. so mm, good for him. That's plus. Uh, <laughs> what's that What's that thing they have after Black Friday? And-
0: Cyber Monday? Cyber Monday.
1: Giving Tuesday? Yeah, giving Tuesday, whip it out Wednesday. Anyway, on Cyber Monday, uh, there were some delicious deals to Europe. So I'm going back. So deal with that, everyone. Deal with that, America. I'm out of (laughs) here.
0: That's the the plan, actually.
1: That's the plan. I'm trying to to get out of here as much as I... Remember when I was afraid to fly? Did you know me then when I was
0: afraid to fly? I was afraid to fly. So, of course. I mean, I'm afraid to fly. I still am. I just do it. Yeah, I don't like flying, but I just do it. Well, this one thing to not like flying, but it's nothing to be afraid to fly. I was afraid to. I'm fly. A, I have a fear of flying for years. I actually, I actually manage it quite well when I'm in it. I never take it. But as soon as I, and as soon as there's like a little bit of turbulence, I'm like, we're all gonna die internally. I I'm very cool on the outside, but, <laughs> but I legitimately have a fear of flying. But I was like, mm, flying is the only way for me to get from point A to point B, there and so is. I just kind of suck it up and go, all right.
1: The only I'm not afraid of the plane falling out of the sky because I understand that that's an extremely rare occurrence. I'm more afraid on takeoff and landing, which is when most accidents happen. Like, I'm always afraid we're gonna be landing and like the wheels snap off and then we just like skid right into the terminal. Like, that's always my fear.
0: Okay, can I tell you my could I tell you the one accident that really played into my fear? There are two actually. Mm -hmm. One happened in New York. Remember that flight that there was a flight, I think it was off of it was a Queens. And it took off, and I think it, um, it took off too fast. It took yeah, off. Something too fast. happened. One before that just took yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yes. And remember, I was like, "Whoa!" Because that was just a bloody mistake. And then the one in San Seattle where it landed. I mean, those people had been flying from I think Hon- from like Hong Kong, I think it was. So they had flown a distance, gotten here, landed, and shit, something happened on the runway.
1: That's see, that's my fear. That's my ugh. takeoff and landing. That's the hardest time. Like, ugh. well, this is pleasant. Car crash, plane <laughs> crash. This is I great. Is Any other like trauma a- you want to talk about?
0: <laughs> is, this a death, is this a death desire this- episode? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in our oh world
1: right boy. now? <laughs> so this, this episode is actually our last one for the year. Uh, we are going to be coming back. Uh, yes, we're going to be coming back fresh for the new year on January 1st with a brand new mm-hmm. episode. So this is our end of the year episode. We're going to take some time just to like talk about this dumpster fire. That was 2017. <laughs> what was <laughs> what intrigued us really about the year. I have been dying to talk about like, this isn't really a topic. So I just want to gossip about it. Like uh, Megan Markle <laughs> is engaged. <laughs> So I just want to. I just want gossip about it because it's so cute. So, the Prince of England, uh, Harry, has uh, proposed to American actress Meghan Markle. I don't know what they call people who marry princes. She's not a princess. Not a princess. No. She's a. But is she a prince consort? Is that a thing? I know there's queen and king consorts. And anyway, she's going to have a the first American to have a her Royal Highness designation. She'll be the first American the The second American to marry into the royal family, the first being Wallace Simpson, back way back when, which you can find out all about from that movie, The King's Speech, and a movie that Madonna made weirdly a couple years ago. (laughs) What was Madonna thinking? Remember, Madonna made that movie about Wallace Simpson. What was that about? Uh, did she really? Well, yeah, she God. did. I thought she Madonna did.
0: just made crazy movies. Now no, she a,
1: she was really deep into like the love story between Wallace Simpson and Prince Edward. Prince Edward uh, at the time, like oh, um,
0: she must have had fantasies. She must have had fantasies. Oh uh, of- well, because that's member.
1: Oh, it all makes sense, right? Madonna wanted to be British so much, like she was. Ah! like, Oh, this is the perfect fantasy. I just marry into.
0: She God, stopped she's... making the accent. She was trying to actually really anyone do it. <laughs>
1: more predictable than Madonna? Anybody? Not at all. I don't think so. <laughs> in any case, um, yeah. Megan Markle is a, like, F-level actress best known for a role um, in a show called Suits, which is a show I've never heard of on a network I've never heard of. Oh, stop. So <laughs> I so have it. What network is that on? It's, I think it's on USA. And it's- uh, but you're not sure. So shut up. It's quite popular. So- <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't know either. In any case... Uh, she is a mixed race person. Her mother is a black woman. Yes. And her father is white. Well. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. That is correct. Um, curiously, the lineage, she, her, she was descended from American slaves. And she's also related to King Edward, who is like a 14th century monarch, which makes her and her husband to be 17th cousins.
0: Which is perfect. Is it? It's in line with what they normally do. <laughs> Isn't that what they usually do? Yes. I mean, I think
1: they get their inbreeding <laughs> a little bit closer to home. Usually. But this will
0: do. This will <laughs> do. <laughs> I said, I said, do. I, I'm just... Are you, are you, are you one that, of those people that care?
1: I, okay. First of all, don't even fucking play with me. You're Jamaican too. You know, somewhere deep inside you, you care about the British royal family. Don't Straight, pretend.
0: You know You know what? You know what? Don't I pretend. wish. I wish I cared. I wish you I cared. My timeline that. was going crazy. <laughs> I I have like zero interest in it. And that's shocking to me. You know why? Everybody's like, "Oh my god, we have a black princess." I'm like, "No, we don't." What do you mean? I'm just, I'm just saying, biracial people are biracial people. She has all the markers of people who they choose to cast in movies when they want to cast a black person. I mean, so it's like you're casting a princess. Guess what? I'm gonna pick the biracial girl. Nothing against biracial people. Some of my best friends are biracial. I'm editing all this out.
1: (laughs) But I I mean.
0: I just don't care. I mean, legit, legit. I need you to look like I need you to be black as tar for me to care. Literally. So
1: if he got with Lupita, I really do. that would be news for you.
0: I'd be all I'd be all up in it. That'd be that's, a hot couple. That, <laughs> and that's that's like not central casting. Oh, that's, that's a not hot central couple. Casting I'm
1: thinking about it now. Oh
0: wow. Uh, see, already you're excited. Me, this, I'm okay with it. She's, well, she's, she seems adorable. I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm not going to pay attention to the wedding. I don't care about the costumes. I won't give a shit about any of it. If I can't picture myself in that space and be, like, taken away by it, it has no bearings on it for me. This is
1: a big step she's for that, the royal family first. I mean, it's a big step for the royal family. The race thing, notwithstanding. Really? Yeah, it's huge I because mean, not it, even for the...
0: She's Catholic and, and she's been divorced. divorced. Yeah, Well, and so is the father, though, so... The royal family has no room to judge. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore.
1: Listen, uh, you
0: know you know what? I think for the first time, I will say this, though. The, my impression of it was that for the first time, Prince Henry is actually embracing what it means to actually be far from the throne, right? Because the other one had to make all the right choices. I mean, yeah. that family looks like they basically made those babies in a factory. They're so cute and adorable. They're adorable. And, I would eat them alive. Every thing is so picturesque right mm-hmm. he's done his duty prince harry's like what i can marry a black person bring it yeah. on people
1: <laughs> you know yeah, <laughs> like- <laughs> once his sister-in-law has her next baby she's he will be s- sixth in line to the throne Sixth, perfect Then his knee oh he's fifth in line i don't think yeah i don't think kate
0: can become queen of england yeah, good for him, though. Listen, that's this is what it means to embrace being like, what is it, the spare? Fully embracing the spare status. You can do whatever the heck you want. Marry yeah. a divorcee. Just Catholic,
1: <laughs> half-black divorcee. I, I, well,
0: I have quarter-black kid, quarter kids, whatever the kids going to
1: look like. I just think they're, they just look so cute. And plus, I have such a crush on Prince Harry. He's so cute. Who knew he was going to be the cute one? Did you see that coming? I didn't.
0: Um, I, didn't I knew that. it when he... I think I knew it when you wore that Nazi costume.
1: Wow. For Halloween. Back. So when I was looking up, was <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Wait, no, it's funny you should bring that up. So I was digging around, looking up stuff. Prince Edward, who left the throne to Prince George so he mm-hmm. could marry Wallace Simpson. So then be, they became the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. They're like, have pictures of like Hitler, like shaking his hand. They were like, yeah. friendly with him. Like if yeah. he hadn't given up he the throne,
0: sympathizer, sympathizer. So.
1: if he hadn't given up the throne, history might look very different. I, I, <laughs>
0: very different. So very we all different. should have been really happy if, about Simpson.
1: If, yeah, if George wasn't uh, <laughs> uh, king, it would be very different history over there.
0: Yeah, actually, yeah. I remember reading something about that. Remember during the king's speech, they were talking about it, and and they were saying that he was actually um, a well-known. So, Nazi I mean, semester. we're yeah. we're about we're about to see what that's like again, all over again. Oh, honey, American leadership! A so. Nazis. Uh, it is the summer of Nazis. It was the summer of Nazis. <gasps> that was well, a, let's, that's let's, like a sequel we didn't want. It's a sequel. What is this? Is a sequel we did segue. not want.
1: <laughs> let's segue from Megan delightful Meghan Markle, to <laughs> Nazism. <It's, laughs> I mean, if, if we're reviewing the year, this has been the year of the Nazi.
0: Really um, has been.
1: I don't even know what to say about it, other than. Shame on you, Americans. Shame on you, you know what, I don't know can I, can we, what to can say. We talk
0: about, can we talk about sort of like liberal confusion about how to deal with Nazis? Because I think this is like a larger issue with that liberals have. How do liberals stop themselves from being relativistic in every scenario? <laughs>
1: So, in thinking about your question, I am thinking about the, the recent New York Times piece, which profiled a young Nazi sympathizer. I can't remember his first name. His last name was Horvater. Or H- Horvater. You know, I'm not interested in getting his name correct. I don't care. So,
0: I feel bad about that last name, though. But go ahead. Um,
1: I don't. I don't. There's no part of me that feels bad about anything about this. In any case, you know, I feel bad. About that. Uh, New York Times pro, wrote very profile about him and. The, the way that they presented it was sort of like, he's not a bad guy. Like he's like the guy next door. Like your mom would be really impressed by his manners as if your mom is someone who'd be impressed with someone who's interested in like the violent repression of other races. So the New York times caught so much flack because they're like, this is not how you talk about Nazis. Like I'm not interested in his recipes or where he shops or, you know, how adorable him and his wife, his fiance look together that's a mess. It was a huge problem. The Atlantic had a really fantastic like satirical piece about the New York Times piece. The journalists had to comment, the New York Times had to comment. And it gets back to your question is that, I I think it is the the liberal problem is that we're not certain how to frame the discussion about Nazis. On one hand, we want to talk about the rise of this sort of nationalism in the United States. And we want to show people that it's not just monsters in their basement, heiling Hitler and have all this memorabilia. It's the people who live next door to you. It's the people who go to your church. But how do you do that? How do you underscore that without being like Nazis? They're literally just like everybody else.
0: I think you have to take Nazis into its natural extension to to its natural end. What are its end goals? I think one of my problems is I feel like liberals are looking at Nazism like it's a set of ideas a set of ideas um, without context, a set of ideas that didn't get practiced fully under Hitler with real stark consequences. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, do you think this you know is liberals I mean? though?
1: Or do you think this is, I don't know if I want to hang it just on liberals though. I feel like this is sort I, of listen, like an American problem. This is, this is about our discourse at this point.
0: Well, it is an American problem, but at, for the moment, the conservatives have fully embraced their Nazi brethren. That's neither here nor there they they've embraced it but when you're trying and it's not a surprise but when you're trying to challenge nazism which is supposedly what like a paper of record like the new york times is supposed to be doing which i would then call it in some sense liberal in, in a certain way then you've got to figure out how to talk about them. i mean part of my question is also people's refusals to punch nazis to revisit Nazi with Nazism, with, um with violence, because I, you know, and I've actually been reading some, you know, I've been reading some writing by Jewish authors and they're like, you, one of the ways that you are able to sort of staunch it is to be able to say that you're willing to revisit these. It's like, you have guns, you're prepared to take this to its natural end if these people rise up, but it seems like people want to, um it seems like from much of the writing that I'm seeing, especially from white authors, authors, they really, first, first of all, there's a general confusion of, oh my God, Nazis are just like us. Well, they were never monsters in that way. So we already knew that these ideas were in some sense, you were capable of having them, your neighbors were capable of having them. I mean, Jews told us that their neighbors turned them in. You know what I mean? that. Why is that the new thing? Oh my God, your neighbors could be Nazis. Uh, yeah, the Jews discover that. So you weren't paying attention. Second, we come out of slavery. We lived in intimate situations with people who were willing to bound us, mm-hmm. so we know that it's possible to be intimately related to people doing evil, right? Like, didn't slavery teach us that as Americans? Well, we're so busy rewriting slavery nowadays,
1: right? Like, so I it's think like it's, I mean, it's getting it's getting harder. I I don't want to get too far off your question, but when it comes to slavery in this country, we've done our own piece, really softening what slavery was and what it meant. You know, there's, there's too, many stories, of the
0: confusion. Yeah. too
1: many stories about kind masters and yes. relationships between slaves and their owners as if that could be anything else than being absolutely disgusting and horrible and reprehensible. Even and if
0: there were humane it, moments, because we're human it beings. Because
1: it's, 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 inhu- it's an inhumane thing. Like, of what value is someone giving you an extra cracker in a concentration camp? What, what's the total of that kindness?
0: Except, it's you know what? It's still negative. Pe- people buy into those stories, though. Exactly, People buy because... into, like, these weird... Like, you'll look at the situation and go, oh, guess what? He wasn't a bad Nazi because he was one of the few that allowed him to play music. For, I'm like, but was he going to end up in a gas chamber still? Then <laughs> he's still a bad Nazi. You know what I mean? Like, people are always looking... But you know what? It's also part of the... It's part of, like, how we've been, like, taught to deal with evil in America, is to look for these like small blips, these moments where you should be able to like hang your hat on this moment. Oh, he could have beaten me 20 times, but he only beat me 10 times. You know, it's like these weird kind of like compromise with evil. And so so there's a part of them that seems to be like, they seem to first of all be unsure that Nazis are not villains or monsters. So because of that, there's a kind of reckoning that that seems to always be happening in the writing, where they're just a touch scared to take the natural Nazi ideas to their full conclusion, which is the end of anyone that is not included into the Nazi agenda. Mm-hmm. it's it's the end of us like so i don't understand why i'm supposed to have how, how i'm supposed to be comfortable with these ideas so as soon as someone starts talking and they're like oh you know what he was really trying to show the other side i was like what's the other side of not?" There,
1: there's only one other side here and what is the other
0: side except our annihilation
1: <laughs> when these conversations come up one i think they sound very dramatic in black and white so people want to reject them but I agree with you. There's no logical end result here. This is not just a system of ideas that, oh, I think it's fun to flirt with. Like, if I flirt with it too much, I end up going down this really violent path. And because of our revisionism in this country about slavery, because of our continued doubts about the Holocaust, which is a thing, that's a thing, Tricia. Don't, do not stick around on the internet.
0: It's earth that. is flat people. It's earth is flat people. I've never been able to understand the, the doubts. You've seen the gas chambers. You can take visits to them. You've seen the bodies. There how are do they convince people themselves? who were there and talk about it. I don't is know. Is it like a mass? Is it like a mass? What, what How do they, they I think? Mean, I mean, I'm not digging around because I refuse. What what's the rationale for that?
1: I, I can't. I You know what? I won't. i'm not gonna see this is the thing about other viewpoints right this is there's no other side to this so i'm not even going to tell you some of the things that i've learned because they're not valid points of view and that's the end of that you know that's that's the thing about information is virus like we talk about it here someone listens to it and they're like maybe none of our listeners but someone's like oh well this could this is a measured conversation there's no measured conversation like the holocaust happened end of story and maybe that's how we should treat Nazism in these points of view. Like, okay, the New York Times wants to run a piece about a Nazi. Like, they could have printed the same article. They just could have made it seem a little less like they were describing scenes from a Wes Anderson movie. Like, this is not a twee fun thing to be talking about. He's talking about, like, se- so the segregation of and elimination of other people. That's not
0: a side that needs that's, to be explored. That's the central piece because I've, you know, listen, this is the thing. I've, and I see it. I see it. I see it amongst like people who I generally respect and this kind of like you bullshit that gets thrown up in there. And I'm like, if your point of view is about the annihilation of groups of people. I'm going to have to say it's not a valid point of view. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, I'm not actually interested in having a conversation with you about it because Mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't have merit for me. Like we have to decide that some conversations don't have merit. We have been having this discussion in the country, I think all year about both sideism. There is no side to anything when there's just falseness on the other side. And so that's why I get so confused because it's like, as soon as you introduce it, I'm going to say, concentration camps, the Holocaust are invalid enough for me that whatever else you want to tell me about yourself, once you say that you're a Nazi or a Nazi sympathizer, doesn't matter to me. But I noticed that that doesn't happen for a lot of things. It's like as soon as somebody introduces that they're racist, you to have a conversation with them as well. We're supposed to continue to like, have these. It's sort of like, <laughs> you know? hear <laughs> like, hear me out.
1: Hear me out though. I get into a room. I'm like, you know what? I think Black Lives Matter is a really great movement because I think it shines the light on police abuses of Black people, Black men in general, and like their murder. Then someone goes, "Now hear me out," and it's like, what? (laughs) Like, no, there's nothing. There's no other side to that. There's no other side to that. You might disagree with the tactics of Black Lives Matter, yeah. but if you disagree with the ideology, then you've told me too much about yourself. Primary among those things is that I should end this conversation. I just because if you fundamentally do not believe that I should be here, then what am I? Then there's what nothing we left doing? for us to talk about.
0: Like I get it.
1: I see you doing. coming. You see me coming. In.
0: But um, see, this is this is a confusion that I think people have, and I, I've been really racking my brain trying to think about what that means. Because it's like if somebody says, oh, you know what? I like to have sex with children. Like, I'm not going, tell me more. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, do you know? So there are just certain things. And I don't know, I mean, does that shut conversation down? I don't know. I feel like some conversations well, should be shut down, right? Is thank, that, you for, like,
1: thank you for giving me the perfect pivot and segue, by the way. Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> the other thing it- I want
1: to talk about when it comes to these uh, controversial topics, Roy Moore, the Alabama judge, who is uh, up for a special election for a yeah. Senate seat. Um, December
0: 12th, actually, my birthday. Oh, fun. That's uh, what I read.
1: Fun. So get ready for the worst birthday gift you've ever received. Anyway, Can I tell
0: you? Uh, I'm fully prepared for it, too. Oh, of I'm course. Actually, well, I'm actually fully prepared Senator, for them to vote Senator him
1: more. Uh, the Washington Post blew the lid off a scandal which said that he had – at the time engaged a 14-year-old in a sexual relationship or attempted to when he was a man in his 30s. Since then, several other young women, uh, not so young that it would be illegal, they were all over 16, but several young women came out describing a pattern of behavior that you would think might be unbecoming of a senator for the country. But uh, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. Uh, since the news broke, his numbers, poll numbers have actually increased Many Alabamians have said that they would, uh, now that they know, they're more likely to vote for Roy Moore. I think a lot of that's driven by the fact that they simply do not want a Democrat in Alabama. I am curious about the cognitive dissonance that the fact that this man preys upon children or had preyed upon children, but people are still willing to put him into office. And this is at the same time where every person who's ever worked in Hollywood is going down at the rate of one per day. When it comes to conversations, I find it's difficult to have conversations about these things at all anymore because I feel like there's no level ground or center from which to strike out from. There's no moral center. Like We can talk about Nazism as if it is as much a point of view as anything else. We can talk about people who attack children or prey upon them, and there's no real condemnation of that. I mean, this man will be elected senator. He'll be making laws. And, but,
0: but, do? but even the people who have elected him and worked with him have accommodated his um, desires in the sense that they have told their children not to be in rooms with him. They've told friends of friends not to um, associate or bring their children around him. I mean, what about the, what about the police officer who was charged with making sure he wasn't going to cheerleading um, practices or that he was out of the mall? Like it's in a weird way, when you think about how people of color are slapped in jail willy-nilly. The fact that he has been fully accommodated by the system is, 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 is striking.
1: striking. It's striking, sure. It, but I, you've heard me say this for a long time, but America, Western culture has this association with, and I'll say penchant for, pedophilia. This, is it just we're gonna, Western culture? We're going we're to slam into this head on. I know less about, I know less about the history of this in, in Eastern countries. So
0: <clears> what do you know about it? What, have you, what, what do you believe is sort of at the core of this thing? What do you mean when you I mean, say first that? First
1: of all, as we know, childhood is a creation. We yeah. decided that at some point people were just children and other people were adults. In the mid-19th century, the age of consent in England and U.S. was between 10 and 13. You can mm-hmm. consent to sex. There was an expose sometime, I think, before the 20th century in England, which sparked like this whole movement to increase the age of consent. And then sometime in the first half of the 20th century, they upped it to 14 in some places, 16 in other places. And then we have the hodgepodge system that we have today. A lot of age of consent laws is driven by child prostitution Mm -hmm. uh, and, and sex trafficking rings. So they can further ensnare those monsters. It's interesting when you look at age of consent laws, and when you look at just a hundred years ago, what age of consent means, we, the royal we, like peoples have been having sex with children for a very long time. When these stories break, it doesn't really surprise me. We're literally two or three generations out of people having sex with eleven year olds. And I mean I'm not, and but, I'm not but I want to say this, right? I'm not saying that's okay. I'm just saying, once again, like our conversation about slavery and Nazism, when you gussy up the history in a certain way, it stops you from seeing what's happening today. So the fact that Rory Moore has been protected in this way doesn't really surprise me, because that's a long tradition of allowing people to do what they want to do.
0: Well, I mean, mean, but remember, for a while... People have some people. I mean, it's interesting. I was watching, um, I've been watching the Scientology documentaries on um, with Leah Remini, and you know, part of that belief, she you know,
1: can't. That's like her, the hill she's gonna die on, right?
0: It's a good it's hill to cool. die on. It's a good I mean, hill. She's gonna go but, down no, in history as the
1: person who just like blew the, the top tried off. Tried to, tried, right? Yeah, but tried one, with her entire life. Well, anyway, anyway, sorry, go
0: ahead. No, one of the things that's noteworthy about it is that within that religious system, at least as presented by her, so. Children are not different from adults. Children are mini-adults.
1: Well, oh, this is creeping me out already. So where do, where's, I mean, where's the logical extension of that?
0: The logical extension of that is that your job as a parent is not to protect your child. You, so there's no protectionist element.
1: Run, Surrey, run.
0: So in some ways, part of what she's exposed this season, has been exposing this season, has really been how these children have been exploited. Some sexually, but also just as workers, I mean, think about that, because remember, when we didn't have child labor laws, because we also, there was a point in time, as you know, in our history, from a little Neil Postman run, children were mini adults in people's minds. Sure. And so the invention of childhood is really this idea, though, that there's a protected space for children, right? That Mm -hmm. you are left to be a child. And so we're going to presume that you are functioning at a different level intellectually, so therefore sex shouldn't be happening with you, all of that. So that means parents go off and do all kinds of things and don't even think about their children in that way. Like, oh, it's my job to protect you. That is not something that is a part of that.
1: That's a lot more time for the parents to do yeah, whatever they want to do, drink. Yeah, but Dr- yeah,
0: but no, but not Scientology. But just say, <laughs> they're, busy, they're busy saving the world, not their children. So I mean, so it is interesting this idea of age of consent, and I, I mean, you're right because you know what, we're sort of outraged by Roar Moore, and I actually have to say that I think our outrage also feeds the rebellion. I'm
1: in, not out, I'm not outraged about against
0: Moore. him. No, but I mean, I think the public outrage feeds the sort of like stubborn insistence that they're going to hold on to him tighter. Because people seem to want to create this like distinction between liberals over there and us over here and we are their antichrist and we're Christians. So it's like, I feel like a lot, I feel like if left to their own devices, I mean, this is my fear, right? This is my wonder. Left to their own devices, would they have rejected Roy on their own? Or is this like drum that we're sort of beating? Like this guy is a pedophile. Leave him be. Does that necessarily then raise the har- the the harder yes. for them? We're going like, to
1: arrive there.
0: Yeah. Right. They have we're, to. They we're have to
1: have to arrive there because once he's elected,
0: we're going to have to accommodate.
1: Okay. So so next up, a guy. Next up will be a guy who runs for office, and then like two 10 year old twins come out and say that he touched them in the bath and did all sorts of stuff. And then he's going to point to Roy Moore and be like, this is not going to make me a bad Senator. And then America is going to have to decide. And I I think it's, it's been coming for a very long time in a culture that's dipped and wrapped up in sex. And we never want to talk about it ever. And when things like this happen, be outraged and shocked and grab my pearls, but I don't because I'm not outraged or shocked. You and I have talked about this extensively. I don't believe in age of consent. Like I don't, these laws surrounding sexuality and young people and old people, I, I just think they're not really well thought through. But and you, I think that we're, we're not really addressing a problem. And
0: what's your position on that though? Because in this conversation, I think you have to be very clear when you say you don't mean, you don't believe in age of consent and what well, are you, what are you offering in, as an alternative Alternative. This,
1: this is the and this is the problem with this sort of conversation, right? Because anyone listening would be like, Chris supports pedophilia and having sex with children. And that's part of the problem when it comes to this, is that we resist having any nuance in a conversation about sex, especially when it comes to children. I'm not advocating that people should have sex with nine, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds. I don't think that's I don't think that's a good idea for anybody, for society. I don't think that's a great idea. I do think that if we are going to make laws like that like Age of Consent laws, we should examine the culture that we are pushing those laws into. I was using this as an example the other day. You love Riverdale, right? Yes. You love that show. You can't. You literally can't shut up about it. Uh, I watched one episode. In the first episode, we're introduced to Archie and Betty and Betty's gay friend who is called Kevin from the comics. Is he still Kevin in the show? I think so. Okay, so Betty and Kevin are in Betty's bedroom, and they're looking out the window at Archie, and Archie is in his yes. house, and he takes off his shirt, and he's ripped to shreds, right? Yeah. And they both take a second to drool over him. Now, I just want to break this down, right? These people are high school students in the show, but they yeah. are played by adults. Yeah. I for the show is 18 to 34.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So- I, I have a question about what the message is here. Me watching this, I'm supposed to recognize that Archie is sexy, right? Yes. That's, that was the point of the entire scene, right? Sure. Just his, the way that his body looks and on top of that, the reaction of the characters who are all played by adults. So yes. I find adults attractive. I'm going to find these actors attractive and they are sure. portraying children. If I was to have sex with a child, with a 16 year old, um, I would go to jail. Explain to me, Explain to me exactly how those things go together. Because we live, uh, in, a, we live because in a society, we cannot, we, constantly... because we
0: cannot pay children to play these parts. Well, this
1: is my question, right? If we are if we are always describing stories about how sexy high school children are, should we not sure. examine that? That's my point.
0: But that's sh- my but, point. But, but not see, that I want to they...
1: have. Not that I want sixteen year olds to play these parts and be involved in sexual situations. That's not it. My thing is, is like why why do we keep beating that drum for entertainment? Why are there nine shows on t v right now about high school students and their various sexual exploits with um kids their age and adults why Why is that a thing that we put out there
0: because uh, I- high school is because high school is the time when Kids traditionally explore their sexuality, and they find something we
1: also don't talk to them or each other about.
0: And they find each other sexually compelling, and they are going to explore it because that is the time when we traditionally start dating. This is when people are going to figure out where they want to land. So it's supposed to happen. The question you're trying to figure out is how do you how do you present that in an entertaining fashion, or how do you present (laughs) that period? My question is why why (laughs) Why?
1: present that as titillating for adults? Is that because not? Because adults watch message? TV. Well, okay. well, I mean I mean but, but you know, know what? There was, a,
0: there was a period in time, let me just say clarify, there was a period in time when adults did not watch Teeny Bopper shows. That is when a change. Were, were were adults watching nine oh two one oh? When we, were, when we were younger watching them... I, don't know. I mean we didn't, we didn't they, know adults but, when we were watching them. <laughs> but that's what I mean, though, like, I mean, like, no adult I knew was watching 90210. It was a thing that kids watched, and we watched together, and we talked about it. What's happened, you're right, there's kind of been a progression. It's kind of like when we talked about the fact that you used to have adult music. And so mm-hmm. now when you watch something like the Disney Channel and you watch their award show, they're giving the awards to the exact same people that adults give the awards to are giving the awards to. Yeah, that's very different. Because there used to be adult entertainment and children entertainment or teenage entertainment. it just didn't used to cross that way. But it's really, it really has shifted. And you're right, there's kind of been, I mean, I think one of the thing one of the themes of our, um, one of our favorite authors, Neil Postman, has been this kind of, dis- you know, in his book, The Disappearance of Childhood, has been this sort of merging of, like, issues that are relevant to everyone suddenly. But there was a period in time, maybe very small, when... Teenage entertainment was teenage entertainment, and adults weren't included in it at all. Well, then maybe see <laughs> that, that's I'm not saying
1: I'm not saying we no, need but I mean yeah go back to that. I'm just saying like, because that's not true anymore, we yeah. should be really examining what we're doing. Why true. Why? It's
0: more thoughtful.
1: was about high school students sexual awakening and then market that to adults. in a world where we have laws where adults cannot have sexual contact with children. Like, why do we do that? And I know people will be like, oh, because it's fun and it's innocent. And it's not fun. It's it's not not innocent. innocent. Because then people go to the mall and they cruise for teenagers and they're in their 30s. That's a real thing. I'm drawing a direct line because I believe one exists. That's not an accident. We live in a world where we're told that everybody is sexy. Children are sexy. I was walking on Park Avenue behind um, some school kids. Uh, It was like 3 o'clock. You know, up there. Like, it was all, like, upper crust private school kids and these girls in november are wearing the shortest skirts and i kept thinking why is this a functional outfit right the boys are in pants and sweaters right (laughs) these girls are in skirts that go halfway down their thigh and i'm thinking what what's that and i know people be like oh it's just cute and i'm like well what does that mean what does it mean to put a 14 year old in a short skirt who's that
0: cute well well remember We've been having this conversation about um, sort of the sexualization of children for a, quite a bit, right? When we talked about sort of the emergence of the Catholic schoolgirl outfit as yeah. um, as a sexual object, and then also the the the, the desire for young bi- young children to have bikinis, which is a strange thing because we've we've always had like there's been a, I mean culturally the emergence of the bikini was a big deal for women. <laughs> So imagine, imagine somebody from the past taking a gander at the beach and they come and they're like, wait
1: a minute. Someone from the 20s when like their ankles are covered because it's too so sexy.
0: <laughs> and you show up on the beach.
1: And you <laughs> <laughs> Honey, it's like thong, 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 thong. Uh, you
0: know. But I do understand your point. I do understand your point that there are these kind of like, that there are things that are happening within the culture that Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't recognize. We don't recognize the natural extension of where certain ideas lead. It's kind of like when we're pushing back on the idea of a show about Confederacy, because we understand that as soon as you you sort of put something on TV and put lights on it and put a nice makeup on it, put gloss on it, it really becomes compelling in a particular way. And it becomes instructive. And it becomes instructive as a cultural product. You know, because these people are just selling a cultural product, but they don't understand that in a weird and subtle way, they're changing values and they're, they're actually pushing back on certain values. And we don't even understand what the values are because nowadays I feel like we don't really... There's no, as you say, there's no ground. There's no grounding there's space. There's no moral center anymore. Uh, if there ever was one, what I, mean, I don't know where it went. Right. But I think that when there was a moral center,
1: it probably wasn't really informed by too many people. Yeah. Uh, so that's yeah. not maybe that's not better either. Yeah, it's not better but either. I think this conversation that we've had around like child molestation and and this horrible thing. I think, but but in particular, I just think it's like can we take a step back and look at our culture? Like just take a step back and ask ourselves, why are men in their thirties interested in 14 and 15 year olds? We know that this is a widespread enough issue that it's not like a handful of creepos. Yeah. And if it's not a handful of creepos, then seriously, what the fuck are we doing? What are we doing wrong? And, And I just feel like it's being broadcast to us every second of every day
0: and being invited.
1: Um, you know what I just remembered? I did that that road, yeah. I remember like 15 years ago. Was it 15 years ago? What was it? Beyonce's mom's house of D'arion. Yeah. And the ad campaign had like these toddlers and she was in like high heels in the tight jeans. <laughs> Do you remember that? I don't remember. Oh my god. You're going to have to find that image and post it on the website.
0: No, no, and- remember there were people pushing back on uh, Gap ads. Remember Gap ads were like I think they had like rouge the cheek I mean, it was very weird. It was very weird. I think we, we there was a brief moment in the culture. Rouge the
1: cheek of what like of a, a
0: baby, a, a, a young baby. Yeah, I think there was a <laughs> moment. You know what? I remember during. I remember the death of John Benet nice. yeah. being a slight come to Jesus moment culturally, when people started asking the question of whether we had sexualized. Oh, children.
1: Very, like slight,
0: a, very, very slight. Very slight. I
1: remember the conversation. Very we were. It was kind of. I mean, this was the conversation.
0: Wait, you think we
1: never mind? Like yeah. that was. The
0: True, sure. true. Sure. Was <laughs> that quick? There was that, but I mean, but, but it, it but did raise, coming. it did rear its head. And I think at some point in time, when Roy does get elected, we're gonna have to have a come to Jesus moment about that. And I actually explicitly mean a come to Jesus moment because I need to know who these religious people are. I mean, these I need to know who these Christians are.
1: Credibility, uh, and it won't be Roy Moore. It'll be the next guy. Roy Moore, he's gonna get in, and this whole thing well, they'll they'll make a concerted effort to sweep this all away the next person who comes along, the allegations against him are going to be worse. And he's going to use Roy Moore as an example. And then we'll be tested. Mm. We can stomach this. And I'm afraid for what that situation is, what it's going to call for from the American people, and what we are going to decide, I'm afraid.
0: Because um, we've already decided, we already know what the American people failed in November, 8th, November of last yeah. year. So yeah. they were tested. I mean, actually, no, 3 million people. Decided something else, and that's um, true.
1: That's More true. America did not vote for this. Whether
0: they, whether we you, whether you this. loved her or not, you at least understood that she was not the dark side on some yeah. level. So we um, really ended up here. Yeah, I, 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 I'm fairly certain that a lot of these guys would be fleeing, but um, so no, that that that's a that's a valid point. That's a very, I mean, God, what a scary thing, right? I mean, you started, you started with uh, you started with Merkel, and then you ended up here. I don't know, I know.
1: we like. started with a beautiful wedding between beautiful people, ended up in trucking in Nazism and pedophilia. You know what? I, let's talk about good stuff this year. Mm-hmm. One of my new personal heroes and my ex boyfriend, not a big deal, Colin Kaepernick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's just great. <laughs> he was uh, he was Citizen of the Year on GQ, Spurs,
0: and Sports Illustrated just gave him the yeah. um, Muhammad Ali Award.
1: He's a fantastic person in that photo shoot. He did with GQ in each one of those shots, all the clothes were from black designers. Like he talked about someone who put his career on the line for his values. I think that is amazing. I think he is an amazing American.
0: Isn't it ironic though, that the Colin Kaepernick storyline has been happening in parallel
1: to what? So
0: this sort of national disaster amongst like elected officials and people who have been charged with being responsive to the needs of the citizenry and you're watching them fail at every moment. And then you've got this Colin Kaepernick story. That's like, just like chugging along. What does that mean? What does that do for you when you see that? What do you mean? Like, I mean, it's, it's a little discombobulating. I have to say, it's like, you've got this sort of like this culture of just cynicism and, and just like a general heartlessness from, I think the people who've been charged with, taking care of the country and taking care of the citizenry, right? In terms of politicians. I mean, you, we, we just had a discussion about the fact that Roy Moore is probably going to be elected, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got this guy who's been villainized by many of those people. And for many of us, I say people of color and people of conscience, look at him and see someone that's worthwhile, And you've got the story happening at the same exact time where he's just sort of growing in his understanding of what he's trying to do. And you've got these publications kind of coming around to recognizing that there's some validity to what he, to the questions he initially raised, right? I just, Mm. I don't know. I just like, as I look at it, it's a little bit discombobulating for me. If I was a bit younger, it would be confusing as hell, to be honest. I wouldn't be able to hold those two things together very much. Because sometimes I don't, I can't even do it. Like, it's like in my sane days, I figure out how to do it, but other days I'm just enraged because I look at him and I'm like, "This guy doesn't have a job." And then you've got the others who are just like collecting money hand over fist as money. they betray us, committing daily. crimes. You know, you know. <laughs> it's weird. to committing watch
1: it. flashing white power symbols, telling lies, <laughs> chasing after ninth graders, getting huge know.
0: checks. You know what I mean? Committing and-
1: treason, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. So it's just, I mean, this year is just a really strange and discombobulating year because I, I mean, I, I, you know, the through line for him is just him growing stronger and sort of braver in his silence, really in just in his silence of all of his critics. Like he just hasn't even had to speak because his critics behavior, their behaviors have been defining and making it clear the thing, the very thing he was standing up for in the first place. Or sitting down for in the first place, mm-hmm. so it's just you know it's just I don't know it just it just reveals kind of the complexity of this moment to me that it's just so hard to hold these things together, and half the time I'm surprised that we even get up every day and, and are able to kind of like put one foot in front of the other because like the cognitive dissonance, how are people dealing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it was really well said. Think, you know, it's just it's a lot. I can't this add year is to this the conversation
1: the was had. I was myself. With the the government you just have it yourself, I, I would not want to sully it by making it a dialogue. That was really...
0: Will we land somewhere?
1: But part of me feels like, how could it not happen? Like, how could there not be a counterpoint to all the drudge and terror and horribleness coming out of Washington? That is the kind of thing that generates these sorts of counterpoints, right? This evil that's happening generates people like Colin Kaepernick. Evil calls to people to be better, and he answered the call.
0: But I think he answered the call before we even understood fully, at least personally for me, how evil it was going to get, right? And in, in Counterpoint, his light became brighter because it became so dark on the other side of it. Do you see that in sort of any sort of resistance element and like the women's, not women's rights actually, because I think it's more like the women's march people, which I think are both a part of women's rights folks, but also quite distinct in the fact that I think it embodied so many more women than people expected Mm -hmm. it to. At least white women, for sure. I think,
1: honestly, I think the resist effort has really sort of slowed down in this past year, Mm -hmm. which is why Colin Kaepernick to me feels so much more F- such a powerful figure that stands out because he has not lessened his rhetoric. Oh,
0: um, well, he his, hasn't, he and, hasn't and spoken,
1: but that's what I'm saying. Like, the, it's so funny. Like his silence has is a rhetoric of its own. Like the way that he just quietly resists what's going on at the NFL and and everything that's going on with the government and with Black Lives Matter. The way that he quietly resists has become such a siren, and I really appreciate it in this time when I feel like there is so much resistance happening a year ago, right? Pre-inauguration, post-inauguration. And now we've been beaten down by a whole year of lies. (sighs) The lying.
0: I cannot (laughs)
1: believe the lies. Donald Trump came out the other day and said the Access Hollywood tape, now he's not sure if that was even him on the recording. (laughs) And you know what, Trisha? People will believe that. And I don't know what to say and it's this people don't believe
0: their ears or eyes anymore
1: what did you call it before both sideism yeah (laughs) you know just like the earth is flat people like the earth is round they're having
0: having a moment the earth is flat people are coming back
1: people are like well the earth is round so we're saying the earth is round and there's
0: some people going hear me out and it's like, there's nothing else to say. I think you saw it from space, but maybe they deny that we even went to space. So you're right.
1: <laughs> there, there was a, this Flat Earth Society uh, had a Twitter handle and in their bio or they posted on Facebook something. It said, the Flat Earth Society has adherents all over the globe. And someone posted, just read that back to yourself, <laughs> slowly. <laughs>
0: It's a globe. It's
1: <laughs> just, just slowly take that.
0: Probably back should have it. said we have adherents all over the plain.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, right. All over that the plain. flat land we all inhabit.
1: <laughs> oh, but God bless Colin Kaepernick. I, I, we need to clone him just for his views and general sexiness. I think.
0: We'd Let, all be better I mean, off. it's it's really sad. I mean, obviously, I admire him for his views, but he's also on my phone. And it's a nice image. Is your phone lock screen? It's my phone lock screen. It's my phone lock screen. Because every day, this is what I want to wake up to.
1: (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, wow. This is bad for podcasts, but great for me. That's that's a hot picture.
0: (laughs) Because I want to show that. I want to show that.
1: I'm going to the gym right after this, after seeing that
0: picture. Ethical behavior can be sexy. That's all I want you to know.
1: <laughs> That's, that should be the new campaign.
0: Ethics is sexy.
1: <sighs> let's uh let's turn to I want to do media recommendations, but also I want to do something different. Like if we're looking back at the year. Okay. Well and I know I'm putting you on the spot because so we, we didn't prep this beforehand.
0: That's okay. It's good. What,
1: you had to pick like a single media experience you had this year. What blew you away? Just thinking about the whole year that started with the inauguration to now, was there like a book or a movie or a TV show that you read, watched, saw, or experienced that you think other people should read, watch, see, or experience?
0: Wait. So is that going to be my recommendation? No, 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 no. no. We're going to do
1: regular recommendations. I'm just, I'm like segueing into the recommendations, but in doing so, I just want to (laughs) like kind of reflect on a year of recommendations. Like what do you, what blew you away this year?
0: I don't know if it blew me away but I thought it was actually grounding in a certain way because I, I feel like this year is like it's both about this year but it's also about processing the years prior to it because because so much I think of this year has just been reaction to Obama that I have to say that I think that We Were Eight Years in Power by ta Coates has been really is a good book for the year. I guess
1: you were going to Say something by ta I mean,
0: because, I mean, you know, the Angela Davis book blew me away. Yes. Ble- blew me away. I, I really love that book. But mm-hmm. I think in terms of as like a, a deep dive into sort of reflecting upon, say, the last um, eight to ten years and mm-hmm. what maybe this year means in reflection to that, that's a good book. It's a good book to sort of like sit with because each chapter is distinct and you can sort of like you know, marinate on the ideas presented. Mm-hmm. So We Were Eight Years in Power by Tanahisi Coates, I think is a good book for the year. I think it's it reflects the year perfectly. What about mm-hmm.
1: you? See, I asked you the question. I wasn't prepared to answer it myself. I
0: know. I didn't read a lot
1: of books this year. I read a ton of articles, so many of them good. Oh,
0: God, yeah, you have been article reading.
1: I, I, got, I have to give you a list of things. I haven't seen that many movies I've watched a lot of TV, but nothing that I really thought was...
0: Nothing you think capsulates the year a little bit? like
1: a, Actually, there was an article that you shared with me, written by Fran Lebowitz. Oh, yeah. You know, where know, she was talking about race. Yeah, and know. if you didn't know that this was written 20 years ago, her, her discussion and musings upon race and race relations, it's great. You read it, you're like, this is great. But then when you see that she was saying this 20, 25 years ago, whenever that was written... Mm -hmm. It just becomes like, whoa, like it it was so insightful and so wonderful. And I read it and then I reread it and then I read it again. I just thought it was so great. Oh, you finally
0: finished it because we talked about last week. (laughs) I know.
1: It took me a while. Like I'd started it and like, because every time I I couldn't just pick up where I left off, I had to read from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that article of all the ones that I read, I thought was really great. That and the one that was my last week's recommendation how America went Haywire, which I think I'm gonna read that whole book. I love when people put current moments in a historical context.
0: Yes, always helpful. I, I love that.
1: And so How America Went Haywire, I think, really puts the this present moment in history. And I, I it makes me understand what's happening better and helps me locate trends that are happening in the moment. So I enjoy that.
0: Did you end up seeing Call Me by Your Name?
1: Let's talk.
0: I was about just about to say Call we have to talk about it. We is that to gonna be your, your recommendation? Yeah.
1: So the movie yeah. Call Me by Your Name is based on the book, uh, the same title by Andre Asiman, who uh wrote the book. He, Andre Asiman, I understand, is a straight man. He's a yes, non-queer he is. person. Yeah. He's a non-queer person. This story is about the sexual awakening of a 17-year-old boy uh who's living with his family in a villa in somewhere in northern Italy. His dad's professor and a very handsome American grad student comes to stay with him for the summer. This is a man in his mid to late twenties, and the two of them have a torrid and extremely passionate and sexual affair during the summer. And this this book is about that, and the movie's based on the book. Uh, the movie stars uh, Army Hammer and newcomer or new to me Timothy Chalamet. I'm so sorry, Timothy, because I know you listen. Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. Shalom. oh oh boy i could talk about this movie all day but we can't so (laughs) Mm -hmm. call me by your name is our dual media recommendation which is going to
0: disturb some people because i know some folks who really are said are are really paying attention to the age difference thing in the current moment but i feel like you have to see the movie to see why it worked and i don't know if this is like I mean, I don't know if, if this pushes back on some of the things we raised earlier. I don't know, but I really felt like it was managed well in a way that I could understand and appreciate on screen. But I completely understand for people who really see this as like um a basically a version of pedophilia in their minds. I mean it's really not, but okay, <laughs> but I mean I, but that's, I can but see that's why it would make people you know, uncomfortable especially for this moment. let's just it's you know
1: only for this it. moment I can see why. No one And
0: maybe always <laughs> there, were,
1: there were no predators and no prey in this story. There was no one who was legally underaged. In in the like I don't know. Whatever. But but there it is. Call me by your name. Please read it. Please watch it. And is that both our media recommendations? Did we kill two birds with one stone?
0: Or did you have another one? You said you were gonna think of another one. I mean, one. Well, I knew I, this was mine, but <laughs> we're,
1: You know, we're not talking to people for like another four weeks, so maybe we should just rattle off. I have like so much
0: shit. <laughs> I know.
1: That I wanted to – okay. I'm going to recommend things rapid fire. Ready? Okay. First, stage. I saw Once on this Island at Circle in the Square Theater here in New York.
0: What the hell is that? It
1: it is a great story about a French Caribbean island and the love story between a peasant girl and one of the landed whiter people. It is (laughs) – It's kind of a cautionary tale about interracial relationships, but it was beautiful. And whenever I see a bunch of Black people acting in theater, um, singing and living out stories about Black people, it just makes my heart sing. Uh, Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. If you're in New York, please go see it. It opens soon. Call Me By By Your Name is definitely my movie Mm -hmm. recommendation. On TV, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: please check out She's Gotta Have It. On Netflix, which is that has the same characters and similar plot to the Spike Lee movie, she's got to have it.
0: Oh yeah, how's that?
1: You like it? It's, oh my god, it's so You love good. it. It's so really? good. Oh my god, it's so good. The first episode, I was like, "What is this?" First of all, the first episode I was watching, I was like, "Oh shit, someone's gonna get sued because someone knocked off Spike Lee's signature style." Like they really bit too close to the movie. But then I was like, "Oh shit, Spike Lee is directing the show. That's why it looks like a Spike." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is so. Good. I would love for you to watch it. Um, we've had many a conversation about free black women on this show. And the character in here, Nola Darling, is a free black woman trying and often failing at finding happiness and success in her life. It is, it's fun. I, I highly recommend it. You can binge watch it right after this podcast, it's like four hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that out. So those are my three media recommendations call me by your name, once on this island. She's gotta have it.
0: Wow, I like that. Nice mix.
1: Yeah. Uh, so do you want it- to throw one one in before we say goodbye for a while?
0: It's the end of the year.
1: Have a fantastic holiday season. I'm not you, see you this Christmas. Have a great time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and I will too. I'll be Christmas in New York for me. So I'm really excited. What? I know. I never. I never get to be here for Christmas. So I'm gonna do all the things that people do it's gonna be pretty cool
0: enjoy enjoy and yeah. you all are fantastic listeners thank you all for listening thank you for being patient with us as we move from a weekly to a bi-monthly and and um and i think to whatever we're, we're doing whatever now. we're doing no we're, we're we're still maintaining the every other month every other every other week every other week i know wouldn't that be funny no we're still maintaining every, month, every other we week introduce ourselves every other we're like what is this no Thank you so much for um, tuning in and for being so complimentary, all of you. You always have such great things to say whenever um, I run into anyone who says, I listen to your podcast, it's great. So thank you. Yeah,
1: and share the, Share this podcast with your friends if they think they'd be interested in what two randos have to say about all the topics of the day. Uh, <laughs> I, I am very grateful for the listeners. You know, we just put this podcast out there and I just checked the other day how many people actually downloaded, listened to it. And I was surprised and then like a little scared that... We actually reach quite a few people. Um, I was like, wait, I just thought like a dozen or two dozen people were listening to this. No, it's actually a lot more than that. Uh, So I want to say I'm really grateful to all of you. Uh, It's fun. I hope you're having fun. This should be fun. Even when we're miserable and we're total Cassandras and we're tearing the world down, it's still fun because conversation's fun. Get out there, grab some friends, and talk about some shit. It's going to be great, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Oh, and on that note, my dear, you have a fantastic day. And um, I'll catch up with you soon. And listeners, you'll hear from us on the first of the year. Take care. (laughs) Bye.
0: Bye.